Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange... The bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. I don't like not sitting together. I hate that. We uh, we just got our flight was delayed for the second trip in a row, um, and uh, they squeezed us onto a, a flight the next morning. This morning, we literally just got home. It's, it's Saturday. And they sat me in row 11 and Kat in row 23 right next to the bathroom. The very last row. The very last row. I hate that. The seats don't tip back. I don't need the seat to tip back. That was okay. Um, The real joy in this flight was that I get to hear some really interesting conversations. I don't know why particularly this flight, but I overheard um, a real fun back and forth between two young people. And uh, I started listening about the point that one of them said, hey, you can stop flexing now. I get it. Your dogs are alive. What? Followed by how? How did he get to that point of the conversation? I don't that, know. Hmm. Uh, the next, the next thing was the other person went. I also have a live cats. <laughs> that was um, very strange. I don't know. It is weird when you just pop in in the middle of somebody's conversation. Hey, if it will get me an hour alone with my wife, I'll pay whatever it takes. That's right. Yep. That's that was it. We were standing in line at Disney uh, a few weeks ago, and. That's what I overheard a guy say. The thing was, at first you thought it was, if it gets me an hour alone with your wife. And I was like, no, no, it was, it was, he said, he clearly said my wife. Okay. I thought it was your wife. (laughs) And we were standing in line at uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. And I thought maybe he was just trying to negotiate a better position in line. It was Splash Mountain, actually. Was it Splash Mountain? And I thought uh, (laughs) maybe he was... Anticipating getting wet, you know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, that was disgusting. At the airport, Cat uh, showed me this tweet that showed up. This is this is hilarious. Gabby uh, tweeted at us at Box of Oddities. I haven't listened to all of your podcasts yet, but this is what my friends and I at work were looking up one day. One of them is going to school for surgery tech, and it's a link to an article 
titled How to Safely Stretch Your Anus, 31 (laughs) Tips, Techniques, and More. And then Gabby followed it up with, How much can a human anus stretch? The human anus can stretch up to 7 inches before taking damage. A raccoon can squeeze into holes as tight as 4 inches, meaning you can take almost two full raccoons up your ass. (laughs) Please do not. This got me thinking. You know, it's Memorial Day weekend and things are opening up again. The mm. pandemic is on the you know, downside. Quarantine is being lifted. We're going to be spending more time with people we don't like. And so <laughs> a good way to deal with that is just throw out weird facts yes. like that. Hey, did you know you can you can get two raccoons up your ass? Usually if people hear that and they're intrigued, they're the kind of person you want to hang out with anyway. And those who <laughs> Not are... Not necessarily. <laughs> that well, particular fact, there, I'd be real careful there with. There are always exceptions, mm. of course. The people that are offended, you don't want to hang out with them anyway. So right, They're going exactly. to extract themselves from the uh, equation. <laughs> so I've compiled another one of Jethro's lists of bizarre and interesting facts. I love it. To use as conversation starters or conversation enders. (laughs) Actually, most of them really would be conversation starters. For example, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. Napoleon, yes. I'm familiar. One day he requested that a rabbit hunt be arranged for himself and his men. He just wanted to go out and blow away little bunnies. Sure. So they collected all of these rabbits, hundreds of them, and they were in cages. They released the rabbits But before Napoleon and his men could shoot them, they all charged Napoleon and attacked the entire hunting party. (laughs) What's he going to do? Nibble your bum? (laughs) I love this. Yep. He was attacked by a horde of angry bunnies. That's wonderful. Did you know that there was a Great Dane named Juliana? They used Juliana during World War I. Uh, She was actually awarded the Blue Cross Medal for extinguishing an incendiary bomb. Juliana, well done. She did it by peeing on it. Great job, girl. A Great Dane holds a lot of urine. That's true. Who do you think the world's most successful pirate was? Ooh. Names like Blackbeard come up. and The world's most successful pirate was actually a lady named Ching Shi. Oh, yes. I've read about her. She was a sex worker in China until the commander of the Red Flag Fleet bought her and then married her. But uh, he considered her his equal. Mm -hmm. And so she became an active pirate commander and took over the fleet after his death. Actually, she would make a really interesting topic all on her own. Yeah, you're right. So expect to hear that from Kat probably sometimes. Probably. Yeah. Ketchup in the 1830s was used as medicine. Oh, yeah. It was sold as a cure for upset stomachs by an Ohio physician named John Cook. Now, are we talking tomato ketchup or mushroom ketchup or fish ketchup? Ooh, it doesn't say. It just says ketchup. I know there were 11 million different types of it, but it can be traced back to this stomach medicine in the 1830s. Well, ketchup can be traced back to the fish sauce that it originated from in Asia, but... Because remember, I did a topic on ketchup. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was right after the the one you did on calendars. You know what? I don't appreciate your attitude right now. (laughs) Andrew Jackson had a pet parrot. Mm, Amazing. Yes. And in true Andrew Jackson style, he spent hours 
each day. Teaching. Dueling with it? No, he wasn't dueling with it, but maybe verbally because he taught his parrot to swear, sure. to curse. He thought it was hilarious. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, at his funeral, his parrot, they brought his parrot and his parrot started swearing and had to be removed at his funeral. Maybe his that was- His parrot attended the funeral? Yeah, he wanted his parrot at the funeral. That's wonderful. So maybe that was his plan to teach the parrot how to swear and then tell people he wanted his parrot at the funeral so his parrot would swear at his funeral. Maybe. That's fine. That was his equivalent of being shot out of a cannon? Maybe, could yeah. be. When World War II ended, well, in Russia, they celebrated in a different way. They just got liquored up. Oh, yeah. They drank so much liquor, so much vodka, that they oh, ran out. I've been there. This week, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> when the war ended, street parties broke out. They engulfed the Soviet Union. They lasted for days. All of the nation's vodka reserves ran out in 22 hours. Whoa. That's a lot of vodka, Russia. That's amazing. Now, you did a thing on, was it pineapple? Did you do a thing on pineapples about how that was a status symbol? Or did we just mention it? In, I think we just like talked a, about it. A top five kind of thing. Yeah, people used to rent the pineapples. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In the 18th century in England, uh, you were rich if you had a pineapple, and that was a status symbol. So they would pay ridiculous amounts of money for a pineapple not to eat it. They would just carry it around so people would see they had one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, for parties, they would rent them and just have them as centerpieces <laughs> at parties and be like, look at all the pineapples. <laughs> and it became kind of a, a rage in that day. Everything from clothing to houseware was decorated with pineapples. I still love a pineapple decoration. I have a notebook. My notebook has pineapples on it. That's right. Did you know in ancient Greece, they believed that redheads became vampires after they died? No. Because they had red hair and... Usually redheaded people are more pale skinned sure. and sensitive to sunlight. So mm -hmm. they figured, well, yeah, they're vampires. I'm sorry. That's hardly a qualifier for being a vampire. You're, you're pale and more sensitive to the sun. In that case, I am a vampire. <laughs> well, you don't have red hair, though. No, but I'm very pale. I'm virtually transparent. That comes in handy when you're eavesdropping on airplanes. <laughs> I'm like ghost dad. Only I don't drug people and then rape them. Tablecloths were originally designed to be one big communal napkin. Oh, really? That's why we have tablecloths. No. It goes back to a point in time when they would just put a big cloth over the table and get, it was meant for guests to wipe their hands and faces on after a messy dinner. No, I don't believe that. How? Like... What do you just put your face down to the table and wipe your face on it? Like, I mean, that's yeah, just well, I'm seems... sure it had a little bit of draping over the edge. I am not an expert on ancient tablecloths, although many people confuse me for one. That's true. I've seen it happen. The tallest married couple ever recorded was Anna Swan. Anna was seven feet 11 tall. Wow. And Martin Van Buren Bates, who is seven foot nine. And they had a baby. And the baby weighed 22 pounds at birth. Oh, my goodness. That, think about like a 25-pound bag of potatoes shooting out of your birth cannon. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go with a, a strong and 
Hardy, no. In ancient Rome, gladiators were considered to be superstars, much Mm -hmm. like uh, we look at professional athletes worldwide today. Children even could buy gladiator action figures. Really? Yeah, they made them out of clay and sold them at the Colosseum. You could buy your favorite gladiator and have little death matches with him. Oh, that's so upsetting. Also, their sweat was considered an aphrodisiac, so they collected the gladiator's sweat, and it was marketed by the gladiator's name. Women would mix it with their skincare products. Oh, my God. That's so weird. (laughs) Gluteus Maximus by Chanel. I don't think you want to smell like a gluteus maximus, especially not a sweaty one. That's another thing we experienced when we were in Florida. Oh, man. Holy crap. That too. Those Bavarian Roman Catholics back in 1740 were nutty. Um, They founded a secret society and they called it the Order of the Pug. And new members had to wear dog collars and scratch at the door in order to be let in. What? It was a paramasonic society and was reportedly active until 1902. Oh, my goodness. The Order of the Pug. Here's a great conversation starter. This will separate the wheat from the chaff. Okay. Hey, did you know ancient Romans used stale urine as mouthwash? Yes. That's very upsetting. The main ingredient in in urine is ammonia. How long does the the urine have to be like sitting out for it to be stale? What makes it what makes it not what makes it mouthwash worthy and not just piss? I am not an ancient Roman urine mouthwash specialist, although I have been confused for one. <laughs> Urine became so in demand that Romans who traded in it actually had to pay a tax. They would set up pots around the city and people just, you know, if you were out doing your shopping, you're out visiting Gluteus Maximus before the big fight and you got to take a whiz, just about every corner there was a piss bucket. (laughs) It was a piss pot actually. Sure. And you'd pee in the pot and then at the end of the day, the urine tradesman would collect it all and sell it as mouthwash. It was also used uh, to clean clothing, I remember hearing. Yes, yeah, because it had uh, has ammonia in it, a cleaning agent. This is really weird. From the 1940s up until the 1970s, Yale and many other Ivy League schools like Harvard, Vassar, and Brown required their freshmen to pose nude for a photo shoot. I am immediately very suspicious of this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the goal, it it was some kind of a project they were doing, and the goal was to gather material for a massive study on rickets and how rickets developed. That involved sticking pins in the backs of the subjects, male and female. Now, generations of the country's elite who went to Ivy League schools, and they ended up posing nude in the archives. The photos were destroyed after news leaked out that the study was was conducted. It was, of course, denounced, but there were uh, naked photos of people ranging from George W. Bush to Hillary Clinton to Meryl Streep. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> I understand being excited about getting accepted to Yale. Sure. But no. No. Now that that would make me slowly back out of the room. Like, oh, yeah, um no. Absolutely not. In ancient Asia, a popular form of execution was death by elephant. What? 
Yes, they would train the elephants to slowly break bones and crush skulls and twist limbs and even execute people using large blades fitted on their tusks. Some parts of Asia, the method of execution was still popular right until the uh, 19th century, the the late 19th century. I I don't like that at all. I don't think that we should be using elephants to carry out our death sentences. That seems... You don't know. Maybe the elephant's going finely. Well, you know? I mean, I think that should be up to them. Like, they to, should be able to murder as they choose, as but they not choose. because, okay. you know, somebody else tells them to. <laughs> this one I think you'll be really interested in. A hundred million years ago, the Sahara Desert was inhabited by galloping crocodiles. <laughs> what? Yeah. In 2009, fossil hunters found the remains of crocodiles that had large land-going legs that they estimate were capable of galloping as fast as a, as a horse. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that would scare the living shit out of me. <laughs> Back in the 15th century, there was an erotic novel published that was all the rage. It was an adult novel. Oh my! It was it was early pornography, and it it was very popular. It okay. was kind of like uh, I don't know, Fifty Shades of Grey was uh, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing is, it was written by a guy who later became Pope Pius the Second. Oh my! Yeah. yeah, the Pope was writing porn. Nice. I'm going to end with this one. Did you know who? Well, let me ask you this. Who do you think wrote the first Yo Mama joke? I I don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Um, ben Franklin? That's a great guess. Thank you. It's actually been attributed to William Shakespeare. No. Yeah. In his play Titus Andronicus, one of the characters exclaims, quote, Thou hast undone our mother. To which another character, Aaron, replies, Villain? I have done thy mother. Oh, no. Burn. Uh, villain, I have done thy mother. I'm going to use that. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad that your your topic uh, was varied and lighthearted because mine is not. Oh, okay. I will uh, consider myself warned and prepare my pork taint. <laughs> and now, that thing in the middle. Technology is an amazing thing. Because of laser-based technology, the data transferring speed on the moon is up to 622 megabits. So you can stream high-def movies faster on the moon than you can on Earth. So maybe someday soon, you can call your internet provider and order the lunar broadband package. If you can ever get them to answer their phone. The podcast that's more fun than a barrel full of monkeys. Okay, that was an expression before animal rights became a thing. Oh, great. Now Kat's really pissed because she thinks we're promoting animal abuse and exploitation. And we're not. And now Jethro's in a weird spot because we met him first, so he... You know what? Just fuck it. This is The Box of Oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids... And they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child. And she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, 
Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Got an email from Jordan who said, I'm reading a book to learn more about the use of hallucinogenic mushrooms to treat anxiety. In the book, they talk of a species of mushroom that propagates in the following way. Ants eat the mushroom. The mushrooms somehow take over the ant's brain. The ant then is compelled to climb to the highest peak it can find. Once at the top of the peak, the ant's head explodes and release, releases mushroom spores. What? That is disgusting. 
disgusting and weird, and I hate it. The guy who discovered this actually has a patent on it, and it's used by exterminators to treat carpenter ant infestations. Holy motherfucking shit. <laughs> Love you guys. Jordan. Jordan, we can always count on you, my friend. Mm, indeed. Oh, you also got this uh, email from Nick. We don't do social med, so email will have to do. My wife and I have been listening from almost back when you guys started. We appreciate your stories and your non-political stances during the broadcast. Let's face it, there's way too much of that in the world. Just be nice. <laughs> Any hoozle, we have over the year, years heard controversy over the What You Got For Me soundtrack, which I love, by the way. My dog dances with me when it comes on. <laughs> but I offer a different version. It's a bit mellower. Do what you want with it. Here's the link. Loading the link. What you got for me? What you got for me? Sit right down and tell me a tale. What you got for me? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Nick. Yes. More of that, please. So Nick wants to know what you got for me. <laughs> well, uh, we are going to talk today about Joseph Merrick, which is a name that you might recognize. Joseph was born August 5th, 1862 in Leicester to Mary Jane and Joseph Rockley Merrick. And by all accounts, he was perfectly healthy at birth. But by the age of five, he had developed patches of lumpy, grayish skin oh. appearing on the left side of his body. The elephant man. Yes. Okay, I can see why you, you warned us this was going to be a little difficult. Yeah, Keegan, if you're listening, you probably don't want to hear this. <laughs> I love you. All right, so um, we've talked about the concept of maternal impressions before, and that is the belief that a powerful mental or sometimes physical influence on the mother's mind might produce an impression, either general or physical, right. on the child that she's carrying, and that child might be marked as a result of that event. That was a popular medical theory. It was. And in this case, Joseph's mother believed that he was affected because she was frightened by a stampeding elephant during her pregnancy, though likely it was Proteus syndrome, which is a rare condition characterized by overgrowth of the skin, other tissues and bones. Organs and tissues affected by the disease grow out of proportion to the rest of the body. Overgrowth generally becomes apparent between the ages of 6 and 18 months and then gets more severe with age. So very, very young. Yes, quite. Okay. Um, as Merrick grew older, he developed more severe deformities. And eventually it led to his head and body being covered with various bony and fleshy tumors. Mm. He developed an intense swelling of his lips followed by a bony lump on his forehead, which grew to roughly resemble an elephant's trunk. Mm -hmm. Joseph's mother passed away in 1873 of pneumonia, and her death devastated him. His dad, who was working in a haberdashery, soon married Emma Wood Antill, who had two kids of her own, and she demanded that the 12-year-old leave school and earn his living. 
So in addition to the issues caused by Joseph's deformities, during his childhood, he'd fallen and suffered a permanent injury to his hip that created a limp, as if he didn't have enough going on. Jeez Louise. So he found a job rolling cigars in a factory, but as his syndrome progressed, his right hand had become so deformed that he couldn't roll the cigars Mm. anymore, and he couldn't do the work, so he was forced to leave. So as I said, his dad owned a haberdashery or worked in a haberdashery that's unclear. Um, so what he did was attain a peddler's license for Joseph and sent him out on the street to sell his shop's wares. But at this point, Joseph was quite deformed and his speech was impaired as a result. And people were either frightened by him or couldn't understand what he was saying. And, so and he made a very poor salesman. Probably he was mocked, too. Absolutely. That's just awful. And, and he was still very young, like 14, 15 at this point, if, if I'm doing the math correctly. He was in his teens, yes. So Joseph didn't have a lot of success in sales, either door to door or on the street. And so Joseph Sr. would often beat him if he came home empty handed. And his stepmother would deny him meals unless he'd earned enough to pay for them. It's heartbreaking. It is. And it's said that after a particularly vicious beating by his father, Joseph went to live with his uncle before he became a resident at the Lester Union Workhouse at the age of 17. Workhouses were very unpleasant work and terrible conditions. And it wasn't long before Joseph wasn't able to manually work at all. He needed to earn a living. And so he contacted Sam Tor, who was the proprietor of a Leicester music hall called the Gaiety Palace of Varieties, and they devised a plan to secure him a spot in a human oddities show. Now, I guess the movie Elephant Man I haven't seen since I was young and probably too young to have watched Elephant Man, I'm just saying. Um, It's a great David Lynch movie. But I do recall uh, that there were some parts of it that they really took liberties with. And one of the things was that he was kind of forced into show business, quote unquote. Uh, But it's reported that he was the one who reached out because he felt like if people were going to stare at him anyway, he might as well make a living off of it. He should get paid for it. Right. So on August 29th, 1884, Joseph was exhibited as the elephant man, half man, half elephant. It's said that he was treated very well as an exhibit, and he was well paid for his time. He wore a cape and a veil to conceal his deformities while he was in public, but he was often harassed by mobs as he traveled. So again, if people were going to want to see him and, you know, we're going to say things about the way that he looked, he wanted for them to have to pay to see how he looked. Good for him. Joseph was eventually invited by a surgeon named Frederick Treves to visit a hospital to be examined. His body was covered in tumors, and his legs and hip were so deformed that he had to walk with a cane at this point. And they measured his head at 36 inches in circumference and his right hand at 12 inches at the wrist. Mm. He hated the experience of being examined, and he said that it made him feel like an animal in a cattle market. 
Later, when human curiosity exhibits were outlawed in the UK in 1886, this is according to humanmarvels.com, Merrick traveled to Belgium for work. And there he was indeed mistreated, and ultimately he was robbed and abandoned by his promoter. So he made his way back to the UK. And unfortunately, when he arrived at the train station, his masked appearance and his his body made people freak out. There was real hysteria at the train station, and he wasn't able to speak. He had a bronchial infection at the time, so he couldn't express what was happening. So police showed oh, up, no. and there's this deformed man wearing a mask. People are freaking out. Uh, but he did have the business card of Dr. Treves, which he presented to authorities. So they brought him to the hospital. It was arranged soon after this experience for Joseph to be given permanent quarters at the hospital. And when the chairman of the London hospital, Carr Grom, was unable to find another hospital to care for Joseph, he published a letter in the Times. And he talked about Merrick's case and how this man was just a treasure and so kind and had this unbreakable spirit. Um, and he asked for help. This garnered incredible public sympathy and an outpouring of support. Alexandra, then Princess of Wales and later Queen Consort, demonstrated a interest in Merrick. That led to other members of upper class to embrace him. He eventually became a favorite of Queen Victoria. Now, Joseph liked to travel, and he wrote prose and poetry, and he liked to tinker. So he built a miniature cardboard reproduction of the Mainz Cathedral, and that's still on exhibit at the hospital today. And that's an amazing accomplishment for anybody, but a person who does not have normal dexterity. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's that's an incredible accomplishment. I kind of got the feeling in in reading about him that he just had this, um, I don't know, it's hard not to use the term unbreakable spirit. Like when he put his mind to something, he kind of just did it. And though he did yearn to be, quote unquote, normal. Mm. So Joseph had to sleep sitting up with his head resting against his knees. His neck was unable to support the weight of his massive head in his sleep. So on April 11th, 1890, Joseph died. It was initially thought that he had died of asphyxiation due to his head actually crushing his windpipe. But years later, it's surmised that he likely died from the accidental dislocation of his neck due to its inability to support the weight of his head. He was 27 years old. Oh, my God. Now, it's thought that in this instance, he had tried to recline to sleep, that he was experimenting with sleep in an attempt to imitate normal behavior. He mm. just wanted to lay down to sleep like people do. And he suffocated. But his body could not support that. Oh, Lord. Joseph's preserved skeleton was previously on display at the Royal London Hospital, but out of respect for the man, it's no longer available for public viewing. There is, though, a replica of his skeleton, which is on display at the Royal London Hospital Museum and Archives, along with personal effects and period 
Joseph Merrick memorabilia. One of the things that I learned is that in many sources, you'll find that he's called John Merrick. Um, but yes, that's, yeah. that's not his name. Mm. It was just miswritten down uh, by one of the doctors who studied him. And it just kind of took off. But uh, his name was Joseph Merrick. And from everything I read, he was just an incredible man. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking story because this guy, you know, he suffered great indignity and and certainly all types of challenges uh, throughout his life and yet maintained this sweet, gentle spirit. Mm. It would have been so much easier to not give a shit about him if he was an asshole. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of like Lobster like Boy. Like Lobster Boy was. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, I figured it, you know, we've done 300 or so episodes and <laughs> probably it's time that I suck it up and, and talk right. about Joseph Merrick, well, even though it makes me terribly sad. Mm. Uh, but I did learn some things. And so... Um, thank you for letting me share his story and supporting me in times where I got slow and weird about it because I was trying not to cry. <laughs> well, you, you told it beautifully. Thank you. Guys, the official date of our next Looped show is going to be on June 27th. Is that correct? Sunday, June 27th. Yes. That's been confirmed. Yes, we had to move the date from the 6th to the 27th. So there is no show on the 6th. The show is happening on the 27th. And it looks like tickets will go on sale the middle of the month. I don't want to say exactly the date because yeah. there's and a that's little bit going on there. But uh, middle of the month, the tickets will go on sale. We look forward to it. It's the uh, You Tattoo Cat and Jethro show. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. I have nailed down your options. And uh, so I'm ready for you to vote. I'm super excited. Yep. You get to choose our tattoo and we'll get it live on the show while we're telling the story. I don't know if it's the first time this has ever happened, but it certainly is the first time it has happened to us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Watch it and weep. I know I will be. No, you have a tattoo. You have one. Yep. And you did a very good job while it was being done. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Actually, no, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I haven't chosen, you know, the patterns to put up for vote yet. The patterns. The, the tattoo patterns. <laughs> You're so hip with your lingo. Thank you. I love it. (laughs) We'll keep you guys informed as we get closer, and we do look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories, stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? 
On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well... I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.